Hello, NRL fans. Welcome back to the SC Halfback Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namofsky. Welcome to the third last SC send-off for 2023. Wrapping up the season, giving each team a super coach send-off to head into next year. And we're at a very fun one today. We are at team number three, the New Zealand Warriors. So with the Warriors, I wish I was I had someone like a Dom who or Chris who really appreciates his team, but I'm gonna sum it up because I owned a few of these boys, missed out on a few, and I really summed up my season. So start off with the great. Um actually, you know what? No, we're gonna start off with the uh the first thought. Now, what do I think of the first thought when I think about the 2023 season? Fun. Um just a fun team to own, um, very fun matches to watch. They're one of those teams when you watch them NRL-wise, uh, very good defense, good shape and attack, uh, lots of super coach options, guys on the waivers you can pick up as well if you want to you know, jump in on a Warriors bashing. So very fun team. But let's go into that great category. There's three guys that average over a 70. They're all going to be in the category here. So starting off with uh, the MVP, Sean Johnson. Uh, 77 point average, average draft position at 167, 206 was the draft rank. Uh, yep, he thoroughly outperformed that. He absolutely killed it this year. He was the fifth overall player, 77.7 average, huge tons in him. Um, few low scores, but for the majority, it was a really, really good season. Um, that middle form from round 14 to round 23. 127, 119, 112. A low score of 20 against the Bunnies. That was a rain, uh, a rainy game there, I believe, at uh, Go Media Stadium. Then he goes into 75, 135, 74, 149 against the Titans. Um, in a halfback position where we all thought it was going to be Hines and Cleary, he threw up a real curveball of do you finish the season with SJ? And if you did, uh, like I said, from around really 20 onwards, you got another two tons, another two 70s. A 16 or 50. So Sean Johnson absolutely killed it. By far the MVP. He will be a first round pick next year. I've got him at number 12 overall on the big board right now. Uh feel very confident. He'll probably keep the goal kicking. Even lost at the end of the season with that injury there, but it's all looking up for SJ heading into next year. The next guy, Adam Fanua Blake, uh a 72.5 average. Really killed it. Average right position at 101. Uh, finishes the 11th overall player in that front row. Absolutely killed it. Two tons, but many scores above the 70s. A noted try scorer this year. And again, there's just, it was a lot to like about Adam's game this year. The, the offload was strong, but like I said, the ability to get over the advantage line and then turn his uh, short ball uh, in the red zone in a tries. Uh, him and Tohu linked up superbly well. Just a really fun play to own. And a player that I didn't get to have in Classic or Draft this year. So really wanted to own him. Um, and he's going to be very high next year. We're at number 25 overall, so top of the third round. Very comfortable. You know, he, he's turned into a very, very good VC option. And with, like I said, he has got that upside where he can bag a try and hit that 100 mark. So Adam Fennell Blake in a front row position where you're always looking for that one keeper just to stay the whole way through. Uh, he was absolutely that this year. And then Dallin Wattin Zelezniak. Uh, finished at the 86 overall player, a 70.5 average, average opposition 228, absolutely killed it. There were some low scores, but there were some gigantic scores, 128 against the Broncos, the 175 against the Dragons, 126 against Manly. Um, you know, I'm going to think back to 
that round 26 and my grand final only got the 25 against the dragons it was all lined up he's a player that you'll probably lose the jewel next year and be only a ctw so that will lose a bit of value there but i've still got him well and truly uh up there in terms of the big board right now, we do have him at, I'm um, just having a look here for Dallin. Yeah, 39 overall. So he's the guy that's going to be in that top 40, uh, a strike CTW, exactly what you want there. So the greats were great this year for the New Zealand Warriors. They had a lot of players that you could own, and those were the three guys that if you did own them, um, yeah, you were absolutely killing it. Let's go to the good. Plenty in the good as well. So... Uh, I'll go a bit quicker on these boys because there are a few of them. So Chan, CNK, a 66-point average. He was average draft position, 152 draft rank, 308. So he came in really handy. I think he will keep that jewel, even though he didn't play any center this year. I think with uh, RTS coming to the club, I think it would be smart for the super coach admins to keep both of them as a jewel. Um, that's a bit selfishly, but look, they probably will uh give him the fullback only start and then introduce the center halfway through the season so uh look if you played him a 66 point average a couple of concussion issues still play the 20 games this year an absolute beast uh there are fullback tohu harris 20 games played a 66.6 average average draft position at 49 uh he absolutely killed it he was one of those guys uh scored a couple of tries but his ball playing close to the line was really on point and he had a few quite a few line break assists he bent the line when he ran it and like I said, his ball playing, probably the best ball playing lock in the comp last season for what he was doing um, with the ball in hand. So he was really, really good. Mitch Barnett, a 58-point average. Uh, it's finished season, but a 60 overall. A guy that I didn't think that would, you know, I think he would need only stripes there at the Warriors. But, boy, with that duel, he only played the 12 rounds. But if you had him, he was a really, really good pickup. 126 was his draft position. 166 was Wade Egan's at hooker. A 56.4 average. He was one of those guys, 19 games in and out of the lineup a little bit, but boy, in that hooker position, that was really tough and you had to go early on a couple of these guys. Wade Egan, he might be someone who could slip next year and you could get him in a nice pinch. I've got him at round eight at the moment. Um, and I think there will be some leaks he'll even go a bit later in. So he could be some tremendous value next year. Jackson Ford, a guy I'm very high on for next year. Uh, a 54.8 average. First full real season in first grade. Uh, average drop position at 235. An absolute steal if you got him. He's someone that on that edge will just camp there now. I think he's an 80-minute player. He's shown that he can score a try. Very much, I wouldn't call him a poor man's Liam Martin, but in that mold of just does his tackles, does his runs, comes up with a big play when required. So I think Jackson Ford is one of those guys, the perfect third 2RF moving forward, I think, for the next couple of seasons. And someone I'm very high on. I think he will be underdrafted where he will be um, in the coming year. So Jackson Ford, I think there will be some opportunity uh, for him next year. One more guy I will throw in the good category here. Uh, and it's someone who will be unsure of his position, what he will do, but I think Luke Metcalf. Now, only a 47-point average, but I think what he showed in some of those games was, yes, he had a very low score in him, but he could also score a try and assist and get to that 50 pretty quickly. Um, someone that I'm very interested in to see how they play next year. Obviously, SJ will be the seven. You've got CHT coming to the club. Back into the club, you've got uh, Metcalf. You've got Tamari Martin. So you've got three guys that will uh, genuinely fight for that number six jersey with Volkman as well, obviously continuing to develop there. So just want to give a shout out because there was a couple of rounds there where, you know, 5-8, again, wasn't great this year. 
as a matchup play, just give me a 50 in my 5-8, and he was able to do that. So I think he was a good option there. Let's go on to the guys that really didn't, uh, who did fire a punch or did fail to what we think thought their expectations were. I've got a couple only. So Murata Niakore is a guy I will mention here. He was on that edge. Someone who I thought would have a tremendous season. Did average a 47.5, quite a few injury-affected scores there. He wasn't a high draft pick at all, 209 draft average. So it didn't hurt if he didn't, you know, if you thought he was going to that 60 mark and you got him very late. But someone who I just saw the opportunity on that edge, he's a damaging ball runner. Um, I just thought it would be a bit more for him. I thought that floor would be a 55 minimum. Uh, to sort of finish, you know, eight to nine points off that was a little bit disappointing. But I do think he had a good season. He was someone, again, similar to Jackson Ford, the perfect third to RF, especially if you can grab him off waivers for a nice Warriors matchup. Moving down the list, I think Marcelo Montoya, a 43 average. He did have that off-season hype come in, had a really nice uh, off-season. Started the season strong with a really decent 114 and a 71. But there was quite a few 20s and 30s in his scores this year. There was, again, another 100 against power in round 19. But again, for someone as big as him, I think that floor should be a little bit higher where if he doesn't score a try, it's more of a 35 than a 22. Uh, so I do think Marcelo there because I do think that you know, they're in a nice little window here where they can go large here. And if, you know, they realize that Pompey and Rockaberry, should say in the sense, and RTS shifts the wing, I think obviously he'd be the one to move out there. And then the last guy just to throw out there, uh, Josh Curran. Uh, so obviously a 41 average, played uh, 20 games, average draw position of 116. So that's a nice pick that someone did use on Josh Curran, thinking that he would be in that Murata role. Just never really clicked in. The reports are that he's obviously not going to be with the club next year. Um, but yeah, there's someone who had all the potential there, but it's never really uh, came off there. Let's go to the 2024 look ahead, because again, uh, what is the hope for this team in 2024? I think it's more of the same. Think of this team, add in and Roger Tulvasashek. Uh Be very interested to see what happens there. To me, it's kind of with the Pappy, Nick Meany, Melbourne Storm. I just want to see how that play that back line plays out. I know the reports are he's going to play centre. I don't necessarily see it. I think he'll start the season there. I think the first uh, injury to CNK, I think you'll see Roger shift straight back there. And I think once Roger gets a run at number one, and even in training, I think they're going to see it where if we got RTS from a couple of years ago coming into this back line, Wow. You know, CNK's ball playing did get a lot better throughout the season. His ability to finish off those three-on-twos, two-on-ones was very, very good. So he probably does have that just slightly over Roger right now. But, yeah, I would love for them to find a way. Again, Marcelo's a good player, but I just if we can have that back three of RTS, Dallin, and CNK coming out of the back, I would feel very strong about that. I wouldn't even mind seeing CNK on the wing, potentially. Defensively, I'm not sure what his read options are. He's a very good defensive fullback, but to me, he's got that that ability to take the ball out of the backfield, finish off some of those tries. So I think that this team's got a lot of movement where to go. Like I said, those centers in Pompey and Berry. Berry came on like a, a freight train at the end of the season, played it really well. And Pompey was just really strong. He had some good matchups against good players. Um, yeah, the good thing for this Warriors team is they've got options, which I think is something that they haven't had in previous seasons when they had an injury. You know, you look at some of the guys that will be you know, potentially coming to that side. Where does a CHT or a Tamari Martin, Luke Metcalf fit in this? Does Dylan Walker need to go to the edge at any points? You still got a guy like Ed Cossey, uh, Tor Picky uh, is there as well. So there's plenty of guys where 
they can get into that back line. The halves, again, very strong depth in the halves. When you look at SJ and the four options to run at 5-8, not including Dylan Walker as the fifth one, Tohu Harris playing in the middle as a second 5-8 as well. So halves, no issues. Hooker, look, they've obviously got Wade Egan. I don't mind Freddie Lussick um, as, you know, a handcuff if you are going to go the Wade Egan route. Um, but, you know, someone who will get late. And then that forward pack. I just think there's going to be genuine points in this forward pack, especially next season and moving on. You know, you got your guys like Barnett, Adam, Tohu, Ford. Uh, if Josh Curran goes and Nia Corey can lock down, you know, 65 minutes on that edge, I think Nia Corey becomes very appealing. And then obviously they're going to have some of these young guys coming through as well. So to me that this team is going to be, they're going to, the, the one downside from a classic side is a lot of these guys are going to be starting at very high price points with the way they finish the season. I think at Dallin, and Adam and SJ Atohu. Those are the four guys, even a CNK to throw in there. Those are the five guys that are really the five guys that matter from this season. They're going to start very highly owned, very high price. So those are going to be all probably 600 plus players. You don't be able to get all of them. You might have to make a decision of, you know, one or two there. Uh, and then RTS is the big one. What price point are we going to get him at in the draft? I've been talking to some of the guys in my league. Um, you know, they're thinking that they're going to try and get him, you know, hopefully round three or four. I'm just telling you, he's not getting past round two. He will not get past pick 24 in a 12-man draft. I'd be shocked. Um, You know, we're going to see him in preseason. He'll be in a Warriors jersey. He's going to be throwing out one of those big steps. To me, there's no way that we look at that and then a guy who loves a bit of name value in the draft. I think every draft comp has that guy that loves to pick off name value you know, he's done it before. There's going to be a guy in your comp a couple of years ago who had RTS for a pinch and performed really well for him. He's not going to last. I've got him right now uh, in the 20s, I believe it is. Uh, let me just grab the big board here. But someone who is just going to be, yeah, so number 20 overall. So just behind Gutherson, just above Pappenhausen. I just think that, especially if he's going to start the season with a duel, um, it's going to be too appealing for the guys to not take that because he's a proven gun in the past. He's walking into this Warrior side. This Warrior side has never been this attackingly friendly in his time at the Warriors. And realistically, let's say they do put him at center and put him at Pompey side or Rocco Berry side and they switch sides. You're putting him in a back line that's going to be connecting off SJ with uh, CNK at the back with Dallin on the wing. I think he just screens points. So to me, RTS is going to be the guy that is going to be overdrafting a lot of comps. I do think he will go well. I do think, uh, like I said, I'm predicting by round nine, round ten in that range, he's he's plays he plays at least one game at fullback, and I think once he plays one game at fullback, we're all going to see it and go. You know what? We can put CNK somewhere else. I think if you want to show up your defensive center, you can put CNK there. I think him on the wing would be tremendous. Him and Dallin as a wing partnership with Roger and those guys pushing through the back. Those are the guys that can you know easily go for two hundred meters a game. Um. So, yeah, the Warriors hope for 2024. From a Supercoach perspective, I think from an NRL perspective, um, they're going to be sniffing around that top four once again. From a Supercoach perspective, more of the same. I think it's going to be guys that are going to be scoring points. Um, they've got very good defensive shape in their thing in their team, so they're going to be able to restrict teams and they're going to be able to play attacking brand of footy to try and take the lead. All things I love from a Supercoach perspective. So I think we'll come back later in the offseason and, you know, there'll be certain guys from this team will look at from a stats base and go, you know, they're screaming at you to pick, but... Just here right now, I think there's no way that you can look at this Warrior side, especially some of the guys at the top of that list, and not go, I want a piece of that. But then also some of the guys, 
you think would have another big season from the Knicks after what they've just done. And he can afford a near Corey, a Jastavanga, if he can be healthy. Whoever the six is, I think the six in this team, whether it is a CHT or a Tamari Marin or a Luke Metcalf, I think all those guys will have value at some point in a draft comp. So endless, endless plays. I can see myself owning up to four Warriors at the start of the season. I can see myself drafting a bunch of them. And then, like I said, this the gift of this team is there is quite a few guys that will come in and out of this team with their very nice waiver and free agent pickup. So the Warriors will be one of my favorite teams only into next year. And I think similar to last this year, I'm not going to make the mistake of not trying to grab these guys when I can. Uh, C and K and Adam were obviously my two big whiffs where I couldn't grab them. And I grabbed Dallin way too late in a classic and draft sense to get the max out of them as well. So very, very high on the Warriors. Love their season in 2023. And can't wait to talk about them all in 2024. Well, guys, that is the New Zealand Warriors. We've only got two left. We're up to the grand final. So we've got the Broncos and the Panthers. We'll go the Broncos first, and then we'll go the Panthers uh, to wrap it up. And then we're into pure off-season 2024 stuff. No more looking back. We'll look back, obviously, at stats to prime us up for next year. But we are now really into who we're going to pick next year, what are the positions we're targeting, who are the draft deals to start looking at now and put in the little Excel because I can tell you what, the Excel is already growing on my list. There's plenty of notes, little tabs to talk about. So I'm very excited to get onto that. Uh, so yeah, two more of these, and then we'll get into that. So get to the socials at the SE Heartback, posting as much as I can, trying to get some new content out to you guys. So please give a like or comment on those so I can see if you guys are liking that or anything else I can do. If you have any questions or any topics you want me to cover. But yeah, SE Heartback at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those places, and uh, keep an eye out for more episodes coming out. So thank you for listening. Have a great day and hear from you soon. Cheers.